Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast with me, Andy Sylvester, live from the City AM newsroom. In a couple of minutes, I'll be joined by CMC Markets. It's Michael Hewson and Hargreaves Lansdowne's Susanna Streeter to go over the economic outlook. But for now, the headlines and the biggest story in town today is an oil boycott. Well, late this afternoon, the UK has announced plans to phase out oil imports from Russia by the end of this year, with the US announcing a similar, more immediate plan. In reality, both decisions will not massively hit the Russians. In the grand scheme of things, we are not huge customers of Russian oil, uh, with most of our supplies coming from elsewhere, Russian oil contributing to about 8% of UK supply. But 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 the symbolic value is quite something. Crucially, the UK has put in place this transition period, which strikes me at least as being a deliberate attempt to cajole other European nations into setting similar targets. The EU has so far limited itself to a widespread plan to reduce the bloc's reliance on Russian energy by two thirds by the end of the year, a plan which includes, believe it or not, asking Europeans to turn the thermostat down by a notch. That'll be one to watch. You'd expect Vladimir Putin to now retaliate by simply switching off supplies to the UK and the US Again, we will wait and see. Off-gen boss Jonathan Brearley has warned a further painful hike in household energy bills is, quote, almost inevitable, unquote, following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and also warning that the, quote, gas crisis is not over, unquote. Soaring gas prices have risen to a record £8 per therm this week, a near 20-fold increase on prices this time last year. While the UK has already suffered severe market carnage, with dozens of suppliers collapsing from the combination of spiking wholesale costs and the constraints of the consumer price cap, the watchdog boss Jonathan Brearley gloomily announced the worst is, I'm afraid, yet to come. He said the UK is entering a second, more serious phase that will have further consequences for customers and further financial strain for retail companies. Brearley concluded that while it is too early to predict what the price cap will be in October, a price increase is almost inevitable. Some estimates putting the price cap in October going up north of 3000 Spiralling energy costs could also hit High Street Baker Greggs's growth plans, the firm said today. Chief Exec Roger Whiteside warned this morning that cost pressures are currently more significant than our initial expectations. We will work to mitigate the impact of this on customers, he said. However, given this dynamic, we do not currently expect material profit progression in the year ahead. Total sales last year topped 1.2 billion, topping 29 pins pre-pandemic level. It will take more than COVID-19 to hit sales of sausage rolls. Elsewhere, challenges and difficulties, quote-unquote, remain at Boohoo, according to Sir Brian Leveson's final report into the fast fashion firm's supply chain scandal. The retailer launched the review programme after reports of neglect and underpayment of warehouse workers in Leicester during the COVID lockdown in 2020. Leveson was brought on board to oversee Boohoo's Agenda for Change programme in late 2020 after a probe by Alison Levitt QC found serious ethical breaches in the supply chain. In a report published Tuesday, Leveson acknowledged the firm has made substantial changes to its corporate governance and become more transparent about its suppliers. But Leveson said some areas were still a work in progress and points to complexity and challenges in overseeing suppliers who operate overseas. And Britain's accountancy watchdog has today fined KPMG 1.25 million over its audit of the bar chain company Revolution. The fines come after FRC found that KPMG had failed to flag a series of problems with Revs' financial accounts relating to supplier rebates, share-based payments and deferred taxation. Now to today's star guests, CMC Markets' Michael Houston, Hargreaves Lansdowne, Susanna Streeter, two of the city's sharpest analytical minds. Michael, Susanna, great to have you here. Susanna, we'll come to you first. I think it would be fair to say that this has been, so far this week, a week in which the only story in town is really commodities. 
Yes, we've had this breathtaking rise of commodities, really causing a whirlwind of anxiety on financial markets. And exchanges as traders speculate about the knock-on effects of the crisis in Ukraine. And nickel prices seriously hit nerves with trading suspended on the London Metal Exchange. And this was after a record-breaking spike in prices. The three-month contract crossed the 100000 a ton mark for the first time, doubling in value in just a, a few hours. And so uh, this prompted the drastic decision uh, to stop uh, trading. And it seems in a way it's like the meme stop frenzy uh, repeating itself all over again in commodity chaos. Uh, and I think what happened, although we're still trying to pick exactly uh, what caused this, is that uh, uh, there's, there's been a real scramble to cover short positions. And those who had bet against the metals rise in value have now been forced to buy at a much higher price, creating this really short squeeze. But it seems to have been one position in particular. And um, so a big margin call prompted the suspension of trading with sharp gains, forcing speculators to really scramble for additional capital or or whatever mm. asset that they'd put there to to cover uh, the shortfall. Um, but I don't know, Michael, whether you've been looking into this and what's your take? Well, this is a bit of a strange one for me because I think traders, miners and processors often take short positions on the exchange as a hedge for physical stocks. Um, but that, for me, um, wouldn't prompt a move of this magnitude because simply your short position typically just hedges your underlying. So they should, on an accounting basis, net each other out. This strikes me as a huge naked short position, um, which has gone badly wrong. Now, Russia um, exports around about 17% of the global nickel market. So obviously concerns about Russian exports have prompted a little bit of a short squeeze in nickel prices. They closed at $48,000 yesterday, and as you um, said in your summing up just there, uh, Susanna, they they went all the way up to $100,000. But there were concerns about tightness in the market and potential for margin calls in the lead-up to today's price action. And it really does beg the question as to why the LME thought it was a good idea to open the exchange at all. Um, so for me, obviously, this this margin call, whatever it is, has finally been met but I think there was some concern that it wouldn't be. And as a consequence of that, the LME suspended the entire day and cancelled all the trades, um, which I think if you're the right side of that particular move, you're not going to be too happy about. <laughs> I think this is going to take some time to iron out. I think it's highly unlikely the LME um, nickel market will open again tomorrow. And I certainly think the FCA might have something to say about it. Yeah, well, we are in... Some slightly bizarre times, aren't we, where we've got, I mean, we had shares cancelled on the London Stock Exchange yesterday, Polymetal shares in the morning cancelled yesterday mm. by the London Stock Exchange when it shot up to t by 20% and, and ended the day up just 2% on the same day that six of its directors resigned. So there's an awful lot of, of things going on right now, which certainly raise an eyebrow. The other thing we'll, we'll be raising eyebrows, um, not too far from my office anyway, down the road past a couple of pubs, one of which called the Counting House. Uh, the Bank of England will be doing its own version of that today, looking at the inflationary pressures, Susanna, that are building on the British economy. 
there aren't there isn't a note in my inbox right now which doesn't predict that inflation is going to shoot way past the bank's seven and a quarter percent inflation forecast for for uh, for April um, up towards eight and nine. It seems is the is the consensus now. Yeah, investors really are assessing the impact of the the situation in Ukraine on soaring inflation. These prices rising right across the board. We've been speaking about nickel, of course. Oil, crude oil marching back upwards again as speculation is rife about a, a US ban on uh, Russian exports. And I think, you know, we're not going to see any any end in sight yet. We've got wheat prices climbing to really eye-watering levels as well. And although companies, some companies have come out to say, look, we, we are hedging uh, ourselves against this. We have done this. We're okay for the next year. What happens after that? And that, that that's the question. Domino's has said 2022, you know, we're fine. We, we've got really great relationships with our suppliers. We've, we've hedged. But uh, looking into 2023, uh, that is going to be uh, an issue if the situation isn't resolved anytime soon. And there don't really seem to be any signs of that. And so, yes, this really will be playing on policymakers minds as they sit down and, and work out what to do and mm. um, because of course the risk is that these this soaring inflation these high prices that's really going to make growth sluggish or could even uh, lead to a downturn as uh, so many companies and consumers grapple with higher costs so it's going to be some uh, difficult discussions i think around the table both at the bank of england and of course at the us federal reserve well, you only have to look at the numbers andy in yeah. terms of what oil prices have done since the beginning of this year up over 60% wheat is up over 60% aluminium which is used in the uh, um making of um you know baked bean tins and you know sort of tin cans and what have you which you use um, for you know, long life food and what have you, that you know, that's at record highs. Um, it's really difficult for me to see how this is not going to be much more persistent. Certainly, I think the transitory narrative is out of the window, mm. and I think more than anything, I think with the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England both meeting next week, I think consumers are going to have to um, get used to the idea that central banks will have to. Whether they want to or not, they will have to raise interest rates, um, if only a nominal amount, to try and get them back to, you know, to get real rates back to where they really need to be. Um, and obviously that can have significant consequences for the housing market here in the UK as well. Yes, the housing market is still red hot. We've got really high demand and short supply. But I think that once those higher energy bills start landing on mats in April, and of course we've got the tax hikes, and of course we've got this raft of price increase coming through in the shops, people are going to be starting to think, can I really afford to move right now? And I really do think we're going to see this fizzling out of uh, this super hot housing market that we've currently in. Um, and I think that it's going to also have a knock-on effect for those consumer-facing companies. And we've already seen um, a number of kind of stumbles in terms of share prices because there is real worry that people certainly are not going to have the disposable income. Some are still eating into those pandemic savings that mm. they've built up. But once those run out, I think it's going to be a really difficult time. Yeah, no, it certainly is. And Michael, we'll finish with you. Obviously, hindsight is always twenty twenty, mm. But when we look back at uh, 
when you look at the Bank of England's decision making as a whole over the past, you know, let's say six to twelve to eighteen months, fine, whatever time frame you want to choose. One of the things the Bank of England is obviously supposed to do within its mandate is ensure that there's resilience within the system for economic shocks. Now, I don't mm. think any of us really two months ago, even with forces massing on the border of Ukraine, actually expected Vladimir Putin to say, right, on we go to Kiev, lads. But you know, in hindsight, the Bank of England's decision to really push the limits there of inflation, not moving rates in November, it does look like they've set up a situation where there wasn't this resilience in the system around inflation if a shock was to come. Now we've got that shock. We are looking at, I mean, it's not quite unanchored, but my coffee just went up 70p this morning. So something's happening in the economy, isn't it? And in hindsight, does the Bank of England's decision making last year look even worse now than it did then? Um. Yeah, I mean, I share your concern about coffee prices. The fact <laughs> that my latte's also gone up as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a significant critic of the Bank of England. Have been for quite some time, but they haven't been unique in that. Mm. The Federal Reserve is still adding to its balance sheet. Okay, that ends this month. As far as I'm concerned, the Bank of England is actually ahead of the curve relative to the other central banks, the Federal Reserve should be raising rates and probably will raise rates next week. Um, The ECB is not even close to doing it. So much as I'd like to criticise the Bank of England, and certainly their forward guidance has been shambolic, if you look back at what happened in November and December, the fact of the matter is they've managed to get in two rate hikes with the potential that we could see a third one next week. So, you know, I think credit where credit's due. They got to where they needed to be eventually, even if the messaging was um, slightly shambolic. The bigger question is, how do they manage the message going forward? And you're absolutely right. I think the likelihood is that in terms of the inflation forecasting, central banks are behind the curve massively, not just the Bank of England. And I think we could see 10% inflation by Q3 of this year. Double-digit inflation. I'm not sure any of us uh, saw it ending up quite that badly. Um, Susanna, Michael, thanks so much for joining us as ever. That was CMC Markets' Michael Hewson and Hargreaves' Lansdowne's Susanna Streeter. They'll be back in a fortnight. I'll be back tomorrow. That's all from me at the City View.